In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we keep the festival of our patron Saint James the Apostle. Apostle means one sent with good news. And martyr. Martyr is one who bears witness to that good news, even to the point of death. James and his brother John, you might remember from the biblical narrative, they were fishermen, sons of Zebedee. Zebedee was their dad, and they worked in the family business. And I remember that Jesus uh, says, you know, come and follow me, and they drop their nets, and they follow him along the way. Now John, along with Peter and James, so James and John are brothers, and Peter, those three, it seems, are particularly close to Jesus. They're given up close and personal access to many crucial occasions in the gospel narrative. For instance, at the raising of Jairus' daughter, they were there. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus is revealed in his glory, Peter, James, and John were there, and in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of Jesus' agony. Jesus gave James and his brother John the nickname, anybody remember what their nickname is? Sons of Thunder, I heard someone say Sons of Thunder, and someone said the, nicely done, Ruth. They're sons, they are sons of thunder. You know, they have a temper problem, which is to say God can work with our great strengths and even transform our weaknesses into something good for the glory of God and the upbuilding of the kingdom. And we see their thunderous zeal on display in, in the gospel story when they react to an inhospitable Samaritan village. The village isn't welcoming Jesus. Uh, so they say, Lord, do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? Sons of thunder, wishing for fireballs to come down. Jesus, Prince of Peace, on that occasion turns and rebukes them just as he does in the garden uh, when the slave's ear is cut off. Put away the sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. The Prince of Peace turns, rebukes the thunderous zeal of James. And in our gospel reading for this morning, we find James and we find John still struggling to find uh, their footing on the way of love, on the way of peace. They're struggling to find their footing. They've seen Jesus in all of his glory on the Mount of the Transfiguration when the veil was lifted in that you know, thin place where they could see the divine energy of God uh, perfectly at work in the person of Jesus. They witnessed Moses and Elijah on Jesus' right and left during that transfiguration scene. And when they come down the mountain, they're making their way to Jerusalem. And they don't realize this yet, but this is going to be their last trip to Jerusalem with their teacher. And they want, some, they want an insurance policy. They want to make sure that they can stay close to Jesus' glory and be seated on his right and his left when he comes into his kingdom, expecting him to kind of come over or uh, come into Jerusalem like a Messiah was expected to do and overthrow the enemies and, and take his rightful place as king. They want to make sure they... Their, their thrones are reserved in the palace. So James, even as one of the closest to Jesus, he's mixed up about what constitutes power and glory. He's mixed up. 
And it's not just James, it's not just his brother John who don't see the picture clearly. The other 10 disciples, as we heard in our gospel reading this morning, they overhear uh, their brother's lobbying efforts. They use their mom to do a bit of lobbying, which I think I give them credit, that's smart. Uh, they overhear the brothers lobbying and they're indignant. The other 10 are mad that they're, you know, class pets trying to get the special favor. Well, this whole scene becomes an occasion for Jesus to teach us about discipleship and about true power and glory. So today is a perfect day to bring uh, Madison and to bring Philip into the body of Christ, a day when we can focus on the shape of discipleship as we celebrate these children, as we celebrate our patron saint, and remember that James, like every saint that has been, he had to learn and grow along the way. And what the saints learn is that Jesus' glory and power, that they're different from the ways of the world. Divine glory is different from human glory as we know it. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. Those last seven words, it will not be so among you, are a helpful refrain for us to come back to time and time again in our life as disciples. You know, that life where we try to stay close to the incarnate God. You see this way, it will not be so among you. That's changed the history of the world. It's changed billions of people's hearts. It's changing us. As the ways of our world spin on the axis of greed, and private ambition with little concern for others, the only way that we can counter that is to hear Jesus' rebuke, his turning to us and saying, it will not be so among you. This divine glory that Jesus wants to share with us is to channel all of our ambition, all of our ambition into the effort to serve God and to build each other up, to love one another as Christ loves us, to stretch out our hands in care as he stretched out his arms on the hardwood of the cross so that the whole world might come within his healing and saving embrace. Scripture makes it plain that Jesus enters his glory only when he's lifted up on the cross. There's divine glory. The signs of his glory are the signs of his humility. The signs of his glory are the signs of his suffering love, of his passion. The signs of his glory are the signs of his body broken and blood poured out. He reigns and he triumphs from the tree. And that is the glory which we set forth in the liturgy of the church in our liturgy this morning, as we baptize, as we break the bread and drink the cup, we show forth that outpoured, passionate love until he comes. Our sacraments in water, bread, and wine, they bring us face to face with divine glory. They bring us into love, poured out, until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
as the waters cover the sea. So if the greed of the world turned away from God is not to be so among us, we need baptism. We need Christ's life at work in us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer my private worldly ambition and lording my success over. The baptized life is a life that feeds on Christ and is poured out for the other. It is big-hearted ambition. It's magnanimous. You take two Latin words to make the word magnanimous, it means big heart, big-hearted ambition. So don't come with the sense of like, you know, humble just means don't do anything great. Bring all your ambition, bring all your thunderous zeal and make it magnanimous, big-hearted for the sake of God's world. Because Christ wants to draw us out from our own little claustrophobic, privatized universe because the center is not me. The center belongs to Christ alone, and he doesn't offer a a throne and a private palace. He calls us to take up the cross, follow him in the way of outpoured love into glory. That is what God is, love poured out. And in the waters of baptism, we're just dropped into that great ocean of love poured out and we become little Christ. That's what Philip and Madison become today, little Christ, as they're joined to his offering of love poured out for the life of the world. Dorothy Day is a saint from this city. Our city can create saints, did you hear that? Dorothy Day, and she has this to say about the gospel's challenging invitation to love. We want with all our hearts, Dorothy says, to love and to be loved. It's when we love the most intensely that we recognize how tepid is our love for others. That's true. The keenness and intensity of love brings with it suffering, of course, but joy too, because it's a foretaste of heaven. When you love people, you see all the good in them, all the Christ in them. God sees Christ, his son, in us and loves us. And so we should see Christ in others and nothing else and love them. There can never be enough of it. There can never be enough thinking about it. Love and ever more love is the only solution to every problem that comes up. If we love each other enough, we'll bear with each other's faults and burdens. If we love enough, we're going to light the fire in the hearts of others. And it's love that will burn out the sins and hatred that sadden us. It's love that will make us do great things for each other. James, our patron saint, became a leading servant of the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' death and resurrection. In the end, he was able to drink the cup, that cup of suffering. He was able to drink it because he drank from the divine cup of Christ's love poured out for him. And from that chalice, our chalice, he learned the taste of true power, true glory. So this morning, let's ask James, apostle and martyr, to pray for us, that we, like James, that we might grow, that we might learn where true glory is to be found. Pray that all of our ambition is focused on one thing, 
the kingdom of God.